This is Max Castellanos, El Chingón de Texas. This is the Firestarter, Jake Chris. This is ECW Original, The Enforcer, C.W. Anderson. And this is Gringo Loco. This is former NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Tim Storm. And you're listening to the Wrestleville Podcast. Vinny Berry, and for more than 20 years, I've covered news and sports, specializing in pro boxing, MMA, and wrestling. This is Keith Elliott Greenberg. This is Miss Reality, Maddie Winkowski. Listen to stories from pro wrestling on the Russellville Podcast. This is the Golden Boy, Greg Anthony. To listen, go to Russellville.com or on Spotify. Russellville, it's where wrestling lives. The Russellville Podcast. Now that, my friend is just incredible. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Barrett Brown, Ricky Morton, Wardell Walker, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 400 photos from the independent scene. Get your book today by going to Russellville.com. Russellville. It's It's where where wrestling lives. Russellville Podcast. I'm your host, Vinny Berry. On this episode, we have a special treat for you. Minotaur, professional wrestler from the Gulf Coast region of the United States, stops by. He talks about his 23-year career. He retired on August 27th, 2022. This episode was recorded two days after his last match. Hope you enjoy. Here is the Minotaur on the Russellville Podcast. How you doing, Vinny? Good, I'm, good, good. I'm good. I'm good. You've been wrestling for 23 years. A lot of your career's been on the Gulf Coast region, I'm sure, right? What are some of the yes, states sir. that you hit? Mostly uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida. Mostly all of them. I think I, we did North Carolina one time. I actually went up to Indiana right after Katrina. So, yeah, mostly southern states. And uh, obviously something that you're going to invest 23 years into something that you love very much. Yes. Been pretty much life for 23 years, almost every weekend. Talk, talk to me a little bit about your career. When you, when you look back over your career, what are the things that stand out to you? The start of my career. Uh, uh, <laughs> my, my career started off like everybody else. I uh, sat at home, watched wrestling when I was a kid. Uh, my dad loved it. And we watched it together when Mid-South was here. I'm, I'm in the New Orleans area. So Mid-South was here at the Municipal Auditorium and Lakefront Arena and Superdome. So we used to go and we watched every Saturday morning, Mid-South. But um, just like everybody else, I, I've always wanted to do it. And um, my dad had, had passed away at 51 years old. And his life, you know, life's too short to not do what you want. You know, I've always wanted to become a professional wrestler. Always, but I never thought in my, imagined that it would ever happen. Because I, I I thought it was just WWE and WCW. That's it. And ECW. That that's all I thought they had. I didn't realize I didn't realize they had independent wrestling. I had no clue about it. Uh, you got to realize this is before internet or when internet was first coming out. So uh, there was a commercial with uh, either on Raw, one of the, one of the TV TV shows. Uh, that was commercial for a local wrestling organization, and I was like, hmm, I'm gonna go check that out. 
So I did, and I checked it out, and I talked to the guy. It was Cajun Wrestling Federation, right, you know, 10 minutes from my house. We went to it, my wife and I, and had a blast. And I started talking to the promoter, started talking to him about me trying to do it. You know, I was 26, 27 at the time, so I was pretty kind of – I was already kind of old, not older. And um, he kind of took his time. He really didn't want to do it because he just didn't want to take that kind of responsibility of bringing somebody into the business. And if they get hurt, he was just kind of – so uh, he finally did it after about a year of me bugging the hell out of him. Uh, he finally took me under his wing, and it, it was all hell broke loose from that because I, I never really – it wasn't a school. Everybody's got schools now. I, I didn't go to a school. So I don't know what it's like to go there with a bunch of guys and roll around in a ring and warm up and all this stuff. I learned through – my first two, three years were horrendous because I learned through my matches. And I had to learn, like, before shows, a bunch of the guys would take me under their wing and just kind of help me out and work with me. And believe it or not, they would, you know, they, they there's a lot of attitudes in this business, but these guys were just, they, they cared and they took me under, they cared about the shows, you know, and making it look good. So, you you know, if you look good, then they look good, you know? So so they took me under their wing, helped me out a little bit, and I'll help broke loose from there, you know? It just started from there. Tell us a little bit about your character and did you always wrestle under a mask talk to us a little bit about you know your your gear your outfit you know who minotaur is all right um when i was growing up i've got red hair i wear glasses i was a fat kid when i started in the wrestling business i was like 350 pounds i was big i was a big boy and uh six five three fifty and uh my whole life i was it was either redhead uh, my glasses. Um, my last name is Falcon. So it's, it's, it's a bird, you know, and it, I wanted something completely different from that. So I was talking, my wife and I were talking and, um, I love, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of the Chicago bulls. Um, I love bulls. People used to tell me all the time. I was like a bull in a China closet. So I said, let, you know, let's do something with a bull, you know, something like that. And my wife said, you know, you know, there is a mythology creature that's half man, half bull called Minotaur. I was like, ooh, that sounds cool. Let's look it up. So we looked it up and everything. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I might do that. Because my first match, man, my first match, my first match came out of nowhere. I was probably two weeks bumping, maybe. And um, the guy that was that brought me into the business, we my grandmother had passed away. So we decided to go take a ride. He wasn't booked on his show, but he knew a lot of guys that were on a show in Pensacola, Florida. So we got in his truck, we took off and went. And as soon as he showed up at the building, of course he brought his gear with him just in case because everybody can use somebody. So he brought his gear with him. And as, as soon as he walked in the door, man, he, they, they asked him, can you work? Can you work? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He goes, what about your boy? Like, no, 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 he's not ready. He's not ready. So they talked him into putting me in a ring. So I went to the ring with just shorts, t-shirt and, and, and tennis shoes that I, I had no name. I went out as Big John from the Redwoods of Alabama. Yeah, pretty pretty bad. And uh, I wrestled this guy named Aki Breaky uh, Aki Breaky Kid, and uh, he we we locked up. We did a couple of things, and then his manager threw powder in my eyes, and he rolled me up one two three. The referee saw the powder in my eyes, and he reversed the decision. I won my very first match, <laughs> and it, was, it lasted all of five minutes. I was a nervous wreck. I thought I was going to pass out, and uh, it, it, so. After that is when I started thinking, okay, I need to come up with something. So I decided to, to do Minotaur. I went and got a, 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 a half made, half got halfway got some gear made, got a shirt that 
with a bull on it and smoke coming out and everything. And at that time, the Brahma bull was being, the rock was being formed, the Brahma bull part of the rock. And I was like, oh, you know, eventually I'm going to do something different. So, but I mean, I, I rearranged my gimmick to where I was just wearing, you know, back in the, back in them days, people were just wearing like hot topic stuff. And just, so I, I got me a singlet and just wrestled. I had no mask. I didn't, didn't even think about it wearing a mask. And then uh, I met this guy, uh, John Saxon, very well-known in uh, on the indie scene down here in the South. Very one, one of the most underrated wrestlers there is. His only problem is he, he had a big mouth on him. But other than that, he was, you know, he, he was very underrated. I can say that about him now because we beat the shit out of each other many, many a times. He looked at me one day and said, you know what? You cannot pass as a, as a, as a mean guy. You got a nice guy face. Put a mask on. Lose some weight, get in the gym. And I'm like, dude, he stayed on my behind for two years to get a mask. And I, so one day we were in the middle of Mississippi somewhere and he, he had a mask in his bag. He grabbed it. He threw it at me. He said, here, put this on and go out there. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I put it on. And I, when I put it on and went out there, the difference in the crowd, the way they looked at me, the way they, the way he, it was more mysterious now. Now here's a 350 pound guy, six foot five with a mask on. Now it's mysterious. Now it's scary. What was it instant? The the crowd reaction was it pretty well? Uh, we uh, we were in the middle of nowhere in Mississippi, so nobody's really seen me before. So that's what he said. He goes, nobody's seen you. Nobody knows who you are. Do it. I, I said, okay, fine. And uh, the reaction that I got, and I could just tell the vibe of the audience. I was like, damn, you know what? He's right. So right then and there, that next day, I got on the phone with Juanita Timms. Uh, I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you ran across Juanita Timms, uh, Ken Timms' wife. Uh, she made she made gimmicks and uh, uh, outfits. So I got her to come up with a, a design. She we, we designed a, my first mask and my first uh, singlet. She got me a robe. I ordered some uh, uh, black and yellow boots from High Spots. From then on, the character Minotaur was born. And I just kind of formed it into this monster heel and I started dropping weight and, and um, started kind of working out a little bit. I mean, I'm not the most muscular guy, but I'm, I'm massive. I, I was big, you know, so that's, that's when it was born. So I started wrestling with a mask on and it took me, it, I was a good 10 years in a business before I started wearing a mask. Oh, wow. Uh, I would say about seven years in, seven years in before I started coming into my own, because like I said, I remember I never went to a school. So it took me a while to get into my own, but I, I wound up, I found it and I ran with it and it, it was, it, it was pretty good. It wound up being really good. And so I, I uh, tell him all, every time I speak to John, I tell him all the time, man, you, you helped me out a lot. And I appreciate him so much for that. I even texted him the other day. He goes, Hey, hey man, I heard you, you gave it up. I said, yeah. I said, again, you know, I appreciate you for kind of getting on my behind and, and sticking on me. And, and he did. What did lead to that decision for you to step a step away from the ring uh, in the end of August? My mom had uh, was one of the first people to have COVID in the New Orleans area, and uh, we almost lost her. She was on a ventilator for two weeks and in a hospital fifty three days, and I lost my job. I, I had a job of uh, twenty eight years. My job locally in New Orleans closed down, and man, I was. I was, dude, that was so bad. I, I sitting in my backyard, just drinking and eating and everything. Cause I had nothing to do. I, I didn't have a job. COVID was around. So nobody was hiring. 
and I, it just hit me, man. I, my my daughter got married during COVID, and we had it at the house, and that was pretty much my up during COVID. But I mean, I, I was just depressed, man. I went into a dark stage, and uh, I was drinking. Like I said, I was drinking a lot. I didn't do anything stupid, but I mean, I was drinking a lot and eating a lot. I started putting that weight back on, and I went back up to almost three hundred pounds. And I was like, you know what? I got to do something. I, I have to do something. So I started getting healthy and I uh, started back in the gym. I've lost 80 pounds. I'm down, dude, I'm, I'm 215 pounds right now. So I just started thinking of my future. You know, um, I've got a job now where I don't have that, that luxury of being at a job for uh, a corporate job for 28 years where if I get hurt, I can sit out for six weeks with no problem and still get paid. You know, so that, that was a, a big factor. I'm getting older. I've lost all this weight. So now here I am, I'm 49 years old now. And here I am now, I've got, I've, I find myself not as big and massive as I used to. I'm a little bit smaller um, and people are able to throw me around a little bit, which is completely, completely never happened to me before. I'm doing, I'm the one doing, that's doing all the throwing around. I either have to change my ways of wrestling different, a, a whole different style. And uh, think about getting hurt. And what happens if I get hurt? And I just, you know, just everything was hitting me at once. And then a guy waist-locked me. And he scared me because he waist-locked me and he picks me up. And, man, that has never happened. So I started just – I'm in a ring. I got a mask on so I can do whatever I want. I'm always cutting up and clowning around while I put the mask on. So when he lifted me up, I started laughing and I spread eagle. Hands went up in the air. My legs spread wide open. I was like, oh, it's just something that's never happened to me before. It just surprised the hell out of me. And when I came down, I came down on my shoulder. And I came down wrong. And I've been my, my shoulder's been bothering me ever since. So, um, so you know, it's just it was there was just a lot of things that that I started thinking of. So every time I get in the ring now, I'm cautious. Now I'm timid. Now I'm kind of scared to do things. I'm a nervous wreck now. When I get in a ring, and I'm not um, confident enough like I was when I was bigger, and I can and I can handle weight, and I can handle if some, something goes wrong, I can handle it. Now, now, just mentally, I I I, can, I don't feel it. So I haven't felt it for a few months, and I just started thinking, man, I I would rather step away instead of hurting myself or hurting the guy that I'm that I'm supposed to be in there protecting while we while we're doing this, you know, and then I. It's just something that if one of us get hurt, I couldn't handle that. I, I wouldn't be able to handle that in my heart because that's another thing about me that a lot of people say that, you know, I'm one of the nicest guys in the business, but I, I care about people. I generally care. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. And that's a, you don't, you don't have that in a wrestling business with guys. There's very, you, most guys are scared out the business by then. But me, I stuck with it for 23 years being Mr. Nice Guy, you know, but, but I got along with everybody. I don't. I never fought with anybody. Never had heat with anybody. Of everybody that ran in the Gulf Coast area, I worked for. You know, and it's just that's one thing that people could say about me is that I got along with everybody. If somebody had heat with me, it was because they're dumb. You know, it's just because because of their their faults. You know, something wrong with them if they couldn't get get along with me. And that's that's what was that's the word that's been around in, in this business about me for years. But yeah, I just felt I've, I've been feeling very uncomfortable in the ring. And I don't want to. I don't want to jeopardize somebody's career, jeopardize somebody getting hurt, or, or myself, and and have it weighing on me because I, I couldn't. I couldn't deal with that. So I decided. I decided to walk away. It's good that you came to those those terms, right? Because 
sometimes people stay in a little longer than than uh maybe they should and uh something does happen so yeah well you see i've always told my my daughters are my biggest my biggest fans my family has supported me 100 from the get-go in this business and my my two daughters and my wife are my number ones you know they they my they're my number one fan they they know my they they tell me what i've done wrong what i've done what i could have done a little bit better and um i they're my go-to's so i've always told my kids and i always told my daughters that you know y'all gonna have to drag me out this ring i'm gonna have to yeah and then uh my daughters would would tell me so when i brought up the fact that you know i think i'm done my my youngest one is really she's she's the one because she's the biggest wrestling fan there is and you know my like i said my number one she at first she got really upset and then she understood what i was saying and she said you know what dad you're right because i always told her that i don't want to be one of these guys that are 50 years old in the ring and looking like crap in the ring i don't want to be that guy so let me know when i become that guy because i, I I'll, I'll ease out and uh and as she could tell the difference of me in the ring, everybody, a lot of people could tell the difference of that, that I've the last few months, a lot of people could tell the difference in me. And uh, yeah, she said, she goes, you know what, dad, I've come to terms with it. it it's time. And I agree with you. So that, that, that weighed on me big time. Share some of the highlights that you had with us. Some of the, the good memories that you, you know, Hey, I wrestled this guy or I, you know, I wrestled for this belt or I wrestled in this arena. What were some of the things that when you think back, you have fond memories of. Man, that's so many. Um, just to be able to get uh, in a ring with my childhood uh, heroes, you know, um, I was managed by Paul Bearer. I was managed by Skandor Akbar. I got to get, I got the, me and one man gang have beat the hell out of each other a few times. Uh, Jim Duggan. Actually, we, uh, one thing that really stands out the last few months is I had a, um, a match against uh, Vladimir Koloff, who was a Russian, a Russian, big Russian guy. And it was the, I was wrestling him the same day that Jim Duggan was having cancer surgery. And I was thinking of, you know, I'm in a gym that day and I'm thinking different things that we could do. And I said, you know what, I'm going to pull a, I'm going to pull a, a Jim Duggan. I'm going to, I'm going to pull a, um, just to remember him by, you know, just a, like a dedication to him that my master could be dedicated to him tonight and uh, against a Russian, what better way to do it? So, you know, I, I brought an American flag. I brought a two by four and I uh, hit it under the ring and Vladimir and I went into it when, and I, there was a point where he bumped and I got out the ring and grabbed the flag and gave it to audience members and they held it up. And I had the two by four and I did the whole shotgun above my head spinning and the referee took it from me and we did the whole spear and it was, it was cool. And my daughter, uh, I was at a Comic-Con and that we actually wrestled on in um, Gonzales, Louisiana. Uh, Jim Duggan was there. So my daughter went run over to him and showed him the video and he just, he loved it. He loved it. He went nuts. So, and he remembered who I was. And, uh, but I mean, that was just, uh, I've worked for early in my career. I was working security for like the local independent, independent guys before I started wrestling. Yeah, that's what you do. You know, you help set up the ring, you work security. So, uh, ECW was coming here. Um, the original ECW, Paul Heyman's ECW, uh, was coming here and we went to the show. It was, I was just, I was, training kind of kind of training kind of just working security fresh in 
And uh, one of the, their security guys, they use Atlas security. And one of their security guys came up, came up to the drink stand after we, we, we were all leaving. And I said, I said, dude, I know what you go through. I said, I'm not at this big capacity because it's got two, 3000 people in here. I said, but you know, I, I work security for the local Indies. He goes, do you really? I said, yeah. He goes, I tell you what, he goes, uh, give me your number. Cause we always looking for guys to work security instead of flying them down from New York. We could find some local guys. I said, yeah, right. Okay. Here's my number. Dude, not even six months later, my phone's ringing and it's Nassau, New York on the call ID. And it's Ronnie that runs Atlas Security. Brian, this is uh, Ronnie from Atlas Security you know, with that heavy Bronx accent. And I'm like, yeah, okay, <laughs> sure. Who's Which one of my friends are messing with me, you know? But uh, yeah, he goes, man, he goes, you know where West Wego, Louisiana is? I said, yes, sir. I live five minutes from there. He goes, we coming there. ECW's coming there in Baton Rouge. Can you make it? I said, yes, sir. Yeah, definitely. All right. So. I worked security for ECW and got to talk to Tommy Dreamer. I taught um, New Jack. I taught New Jack how to eat crawfish. New Jack walks in the building with a bag of uh, with a with a paper bag, and I knew I knew what was in it because I'm from here. I know. I, so I said, "What are you doing?" He goes, "Somebody's got to teach me how to how to eat these." I said, nobody nobody can teach me. Nobody's here. I said, "Come here." Let me show you how to do this. <laughs> Boy, he had to, I had the best time showing him how to eat crawfish, man. Rest his soul. But uh, we he, he was. He, he was cool. Everybody was cool. And Tommy, Tommy Dreamer was like, man, you want to, you want to try out? And I had just got done watching him give two guys a tryout and they puking outside the ring. And I was like, nope, I'm not ready yet. I said, by the time y'all come next time, I'm going to take you up on that. And then by the time they came next time, Vince had bought him out. and All hell broke loose with them. And, uh, but I did get to wrestle Tommy Dreamer in Homer. We did a, like a, like a, a, a six man tag against Tommy. And it was like a hardcore thing. And I told him that story and he goes, yeah, man, I do remember you. And uh, whether he did or not, I don't know, but I got to wrestle him too. So it, yeah, different. There's just so many memories. Dude. We can, I, I could talk about this forever. Man, you've got some good stories and you've got some yeah. good memories. You've been in the ring with some legends and, you know, boy, no one can ever take that away. That's no, I, I've, I've gotten to do a lot of things that a lot of guys, like I said, the only the only regret I have in my career is I didn't get to do it earlier, like 19, 20 years old. By the time I got to work as an extra for WWE, I was 35, 36. So they weren't looking for older guys. They were looking for young, jacked up guys. You know, so I, I remember standing outside the ring watching this young, jacked up kid that's got a, a contract already. And Orn Anderson's trying to teach him how to throw a basic form to to somebody's back and he couldn't do it, but he had a contract because he had, a, he was 20 years old and he had this phenomenal chiseled body, you know? So they were training him to do it, man. I was like, I was so upset because I've worked, I got to work extra as for WB a few times. And uh, that's another thing that, that really kind of helped me with my decision too, because right before COVID uh, in August, they came here and we worked as an extra. We sitting in a locker room and I see some of these older guys passing by. And I say older guys, more my age guys like Jeff Jarrett and, Benjamin Shelton walk barely walking by and I'm going, Ooh, and I'm sitting next to Vordell Walker. And I told him, I said, man, I said, that's us in about 15 years. He goes, bro, that's going to be me in five, <laughs> you know? And it's like, it, that, that hit me. Like, we, we doing this and I don't want to walk around like that at 50 years old. You know, I just, especially like they can do that at 50 years old because they get paid, you know, on, on our level, we get paid, but it's not, with they're getting paid, you know? So, I mean, it's not, to me personally, it's not worth it. And when I've always said that my family would have to drag me out the ring, I thought about it and I'm like, I don't want them to drag me out the ring. I, I want to walk out on my own and I don't want to 
put that burden on them. It's it's a hard pill. It's really a hard pill, especially like the last 36 hours, man. I, everybody's getting wind that I that I've retired, and I'm getting messages from people that I haven't that I wrestled 20 years ago, and you know, giving me memories that man, I forgot all about this. And it's 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 it, I'm telling you, when I, I tear up, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm I, I like I said, I weigh my heart. I wear my heart on my sleeve, man. I, I tear up on on some of these posts and messages and and texts that I'm getting. It's unbelievable the amount of hearts that and, and people I've touched over 23 years. I never, I mean, I thought I knew it was big, but man, I didn't realize it was this big. Man, I'm getting it's so overwhelming and the emotions that I go that I've been going through. But it's really like right now, I'm I'm okay with it. But it's when I start seeing all my boys start running yeah. shows and start working on these shows again, I'll be like, I'm, I'm itching, you know. But they say you're gonna come back. I say, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I, I I don't. I'm done. You know, I hear a lot of uh, wrestlers and they'll they'll talk about how um, it's hard for them to watch their heroes. It was it was I didn't want to see Ric Flair come back. Right. Because. Right. I have some good memories of that guy coming into Reunion Arena in Dallas or coming to the Texas Stadium up there in Irving, Texas and walking to that that ring and those robes. And, you know, he looked like a million bucks, man. And that's that's the Ric yeah. Flair that's in my mind. Right. And so. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to, you know, I, I get it. Right. He, we know he loves wrestling. He don't have to tell us, but you know, I don't want to see my heroes like that. I want to, I, I want to remember my heroes and their glory mine, day. Right. Yeah. I got friends of mine telling me, Oh, you're going to do the Ric Flair and come back. I'm like, bro, I'm not getting paid with Ric Flair's getting paid. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't have Ric Flair's money. Okay. So, you know, I, I got a future that I got to think about. And, um, it's just, uh, I, like I said, it, it's gonna. It, it's killing me. It, it really is because, like I said, this has been my life for 23 years. I mean, my hell, my. I used to bring my wife and kids with me on the road most of the time, and and it's just my kids were raised around it. And you know, it, it wrestling's been my life. You know, it's like and now all of a sudden. I mean, I'm not saying it's gonna stop completely, but I'm still gonna follow all my friends and support all my friends. But it's just. I'm still going to go. I, I even told some of the fans the other night, I said, you'll never know. I said, I'm going to buy a ticket to come sit right next to you. You'll never know I'm sitting next to you. And you're just laughing and just like that. Yeah, I'm going to go to some shows. I'm going to see some of the boys. Do you think that you'll ever work maybe behind the scenes in some of these companies? I would, I would like to, I mean, I, I, I would, I've always, I'm really hard on myself. I'm not a wrestler. I can't wrestle my way out of a paper bag, but I could beat your ass. You know what I'm saying? It has a difference, you know? So I, I'm as far as the wrestling aspect, I mean, I, I could come up with some with some pretty decent finishes and I mean some pretty decent um storylines and this, that, and the other. And I mean I could I could help out as much as I can with these younger guys. I mean, I, I have I have a bunch of younger guys that 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 hit me up saying, Man, you the advice you gave me is just phenomenal and this, that, and the other. And then I think about whenever I was coming up and I was struggling and Rodney and Jazz were in the locker room, and me and Rodney went through a little storyline ourselves and just learning from him was phenomenal. I actually messaged them today and, and thanked him again, you know, for being, being a learning tree for me. And, and I didn't know if he had heard that I, that I left the boots in a ring Saturday night, I, but you know, I just told him, I thanked them again and how much I love them and appreciate them. And, you know, Saxon too. I mean, it was always a learning tree with, with being in, a, being in a ring with those guys. It really was. You learn something new every time. As far as teaching some of the guys and, and helping out. Yeah. I would love to. Oh yeah, because you have a wealth of knowledge, you know, for sure. I would, I would like to think I do, but I mean, I, like I said, I'm always hard on myself. So I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not because that's a, that's another thing. I, I've kind of felt 
the way wrestling has changed now, it's um, wrestling's like a whole nother monster now. So it's not, it's, I, I, a lot of people say flips and shit, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot more athletic and a lot of people, and I, I feel it that because a lot of people are getting hurt now, they, because they daring to try other more things and which short of pulling out a gun and shooting each other with it, you know, it's like, so um, I've kind of felt that some of the guys resented me. I, I personally think that some guys may have resented me when they show up at shows and I'm the champion or I'm over or I'm, uh, the fans cheer me because of my size and because I don't have to go out there and do that much to get the crowd to go ape shit. And I really didn't. That's all I had to do was clothesline somebody. And it was like the crowd would just come unglued. And these guys would go in there and chain wrestle for five minutes and the fans would sit on their hands. You know, it's like, it just depends on what area you're in and, and how you tell that story of chain wrestling. And a lot of guys have uh, wrestling today has lost the art of storytelling right. and getting, getting the fans involved because if the fans aren't involved, you're nothing. What are you going to miss the most about professional wrestling as, as an in-ring performer? Everything about it. I really am. Uh, the fans, especially the fans, like I said, the fans, without the fans, you're nothing. I, there would be no Minotaur if there wasn't, if the fans weren't, weren't the fans, I would feed off the fans. I'd stand behind a curtain and, and when my music hit, I would listen to the moans and the groans and I was like, oh yeah, I got them. And you know, so I'm gonna miss that. I'm gonna miss the, the, the satisfaction of the cheers, booze or, or whatever I got when the match was, when we finished the match and we finished telling that story and it worked. That's what I'm going to miss, the, the, that it worked what we did to pop those fans. And I'm going to miss the camaraderie with the boys in the back. And what do you want to tell the fans? Thank you. Thank you for letting me know exactly how you felt when I was out there. Thank I, I, I love, like I told them in Homer the other night, uh, home is one of the most prestigious places. That building is a prestigious place from for wrestling way back in the day. And um, I thank you. Like, uh, <laughs> Just tell them, tell them wrestlers how you feel, man. The more they scream, the better, the better the match is going to be. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for everything you've done for pro wrestling. Thank you, sir. You're listening to the Russellville podcast where wrestling lives. The Pro Wrestling Vault. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Barrett Brown, Ricky Morton, Cordell Walker, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 400 photos from the independent scene. Get your book today by going to Russellville.com. Russellville. It's, it's where wrestling lives. This is Minotaur, and you're listening to the Russellville Podcast. And I had just retired from a 23-year career, and it was an awesome one. I wouldn't change a bit. Keep watching wrestling. Keep supporting independent wrestling. I'm out.